Welcome back to another Sound Truth interview. I'm Adam Miller, and today we're joined by Ann Kennedy, who has written a devotional called Nailed It, 365 readings for angry and worn out people. And uh, I love I love the way this book is described, as well as how this book is written and framed. Uh, but this is a great study, especially for those of us who want to understand uh, how to approach Scripture but we have uh, been doing it for such a long time, it's very easy for us to become inoculated to the truths that are on every single page. So, Anne, thank you so much for being a part of the many voices for that one message and uh, talking to us about this devotional. Thank you for having me. This is a really great day. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Why don't you get us started by telling us a little bit about Nailed It. This is your book. It's a devotional. Um, Most people that write devotionals have a personal uh, bent towards that. You have a completely different angle for it. So what is this book all about and what differentiates it from other devotionals? Well, I I have never been a fan of devotional books. So <laughs> that's the, the first problem. And um, I am given a lot of devotional books because I'm a Christian and clearly I do love the Bible. And so um people who love me give me devotional books all the time. So I have a a nice big uh, collection of them. And uh, as we've uh, worked in the church uh, here in the States, um, I've been more and more frustrated um, with the content of a lot of them. Uh, First of all, I've always had a really hard time reading the Bible myself. I like to read the Bible I like the idea of reading the Bible, but then uh, when it comes down to it, especially I'm not a morning person and then I'm not a night person either. Um, I'm a busy mother. There's never a good time for me to actually read the Bible. And uh, so I, I, you know, it's, it would be easy to flip open a devotional book and call it good enough and then move on with the day. Uh, but as I kind of, you know, paged through these devotional books I got more and more and more frustrated because many of them, and I don't think anybody is meaning to be bad, of course. Um, And it's good that I can't think of any particular book right off the bat. (laughs) But um, a lot of them end up with giving you a little list of things to do. So you'll get one verse, usually out of context, then the thoughts and feelings of the writer of the devotional. And then a little, you know, a challenge or something to do. And a lot of the things at the end of a, de- a short, short devotional were things that I myself couldn't do, like work on gratitude. I mean, uh, covered with babies. I think you've got to be kidding me. I can't, I'm not grateful right this second. Um, and I wasn't going back into the word of God to see what um, in context he, God might be saying. So... Um, I got given one of these books and I had enough and I posted on Facebook and said, I'm going to write an anti-devotional called 365 sarcastic devotions for angry people. And I got a lot of likes on that post. And so I started writing it and it is my thoughts and feelings about the Bible too. So I tried wherever possible to make it very uncomfortable for you to stay there without actually going to the text to see if I'm right or wrong. Hmm. Hmm. 
I think it's interesting, especially when you talk about a daily devotional, because we do a daily broadcast, and uh, as a result, it can it can get a little bit like you're kind of repeating the same thing every single day, you know, 365 days a week in a devotional. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to differentiate, differentiate your message. And usually what we end up doing is trying to find a niche. We try to find a way to get into the book. And what we do is, is you know, the technical term I'm sure you're familiar with is eisegesis. We're reading our meaning into the text as opposed to actually coming to the text with a fresh palate cleanser and ready to be instructed on in what the Word is actually teaching us. I, I know how hard that is on our end in radio. I'm sure that's hard as a devotional, uh, but that's really the approach you're trying to go with in this book, isn't it? Uh, right. I, my other favorite uh, term is narcissus, where you actually read yourself into the text, mm-hmm. which is really hard not to do. You're a human being, and you're looking for yourself everywhere you go. And so when you approach the Bible, of course, you're also going to look for stuff that stuff to relate to you, to understand who you are and what God is, how he's organizing your life. So... Yeah, it's very easy just to grab a verse here and there and apply it to yourself and move on. And the scripture actually says something about God. It's about God. And it has coherent, uh, one coherent message about God, but then others, themes and uh, pictures of who God is throughout. And they are connected to each other. Uh, So, you do have to read the whole thing in order to get a sense of who God is, but that's really tough. And as you're going, you're, you have your own stuff that comes up and you bring that to the page. And so there is a a conversation that goes back and forth, but if you don't know who it is that's on the other side of that or coming off the page to you, it's confusing. It gets really hard to make sense of it. And then, of course, you just can easily do eisegesis instead of exegesis and pulling the meaning out of the text. Hmm. I think one of the challenges of a daily devotional is the idea of of commitment and and plotting through and then getting discouraged. You get to day, you know, 12, and then all of a sudden you've missed a day, and the next thing you know, you know, this is 365 days, but you don't have any dates on the chapters of this book. Uh, what's that all about? Well, because probably if you did start on January 1st, uh, you didn't do it on January 5th. So <laughs> you can use this book to get through the Bible in five years if you want. You number your days. Uh, I this is a terrible thing to confess. I have a hard time reading the Bible seven days a week. I do a good job of it four days and then a bad job the other two days. And then I go to church. And so it's okay to do it more slowly, you know, go take, take only three days a week and do it. Uh, But if you put a date on it, you've immediately failed. Mm -hmm. And that's not the point of reading the Bible. It's not something to conquer. It's something to live and be shaped by. And so if you have to do it more slowly, as I do, that's very sensible. Um, you, you don't have, I, I am easily defeated, especially when you come to scripture. So I don't want people to give up. I want them to keep at it, however slowly and difficultly it takes for them to do that. 
I think of it in a lot of ways, you know, like working out. If you commit to working out every day and then you skip a few days, then that third day is so much harder to get back into it. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you're committing to working out, you know, you know, three days a week, I think the best wisdom I've learned in, in devotions is, you know, just setting those markers for yourself where you're, you're moving forward. And what you should be doing is, you said, not conquering the Bible, but hungering for it, creating mm-hmm. a, a spirit in your heart where you actually want more of it. And uh, I think there's also something to that where when you're working in it every day, the more you do it, the more you want to do it, and the more that starts to grow organically as opposed to this kind of inorganic way that we, we put these restrictions on it. Right. The the thing about so many devotions, too, not only what they're saying, but the, the way that they're organized, that person is shaping your reading of the Bible and your experience of it. Uh, and I th- that's okay. You need help. We all need help. We should all be listening to good preachers. We should all be in church with other people and have other people participate in our experience of the scripture. But uh, you also want to come to it directly. And yeah, like working out, if you never work out, or if you take three months off of working <laughs> out, it's as if you've started back at the beginning, whereas you you develop... If you keep at it, you develop a conversant muscle. You have a build muscle in the scripture and you're able to take the text on its own terms in a greater and greater capacity. So it's, it's, yeah, you just got to keep at it. Those little habit trackers. I got one where you fill in every day. If you do something, um, then I can go back at the end of the week and think, oh, I look, I actually did do this this week. I meant to do it and I did do it. And instead of, you know, not having no idea if I even was there <laughs> for mm-hmm. even a few minutes. I think when you approach a, a daily Bible reading, you're approaching it with the desire uh, to understand it, uh, the, the, the challenge of, of slowing down. I know, you know, when I was first starting to actually start studying the Bible, I would read larger and larger chunks each day, thinking that that was a great way to really get more out of the Bible. And while I still read large chunks of Scripture right now, I, I really try to slow down so that what I'm focusing on is more of a bite size. I mean, each day is just one page, very short. Uh, that really slows you down in the process of trying to make sense of one thing at a time as sort of a puzzle piece and fully examining it. How important is that? I, I love the the puzzle uh, view. I also think of uh, painting. Uh, you sh- Yeah, you should be reading big you should be reading swaths of scripture. So as an Anglican, we, uh, you can read up to four chapters of the Bible a day and kind of get the sweeping view of it. But that, if you're also just sort of checking it off, it's, you're trying to build a habit, but you're also just trying to do it every day. A lot of that will just fly right by you. And it's in the details of scripture where the text comes alive and will come out and kind of whack you across the heart. So the, you know, the, 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 I try to tell people the detail, the, the thing, the objects that you come across in scripture, the material things that you find people are holding in their hands or throwing away, or um, those are often pieces of a puzzle or the key that uh, unlocks um, some, often a typology of who Jesus is 
and uh, you can. And the other thing I say is, if you know the the New Testament, um, the four Gospels, life of Jesus in its detail, and you you really know it, it it's kind of very right under the surface for you. And then you go into the Old Testament as you're reading along lines and phrases and objects and um, expressions will fly off the page and you'll see, I mean, how did that person thousands and thousands of years ago use the exact same phrase that was used by one of the uh, writers of the gospel talking about something that Jesus did. Uh, That's the, that's, that's what you want as you're reading. So you do want, you want a macro view uh, but you want this micro view as well as you're going through the scripture. And so through the book, I tried to draw attention to some of those things or attune the ear um, of the reader so that as they're, they're reading, they'll, they'll think, Oh, I I've seen that before. Um, I've heard that phrase. I've seen that person. And, and then the puzzle yeah, comes together or the painting, you know, it's like an impressionist, impressionist painting where you can't tell what the picture is until you, you come right up to it and really look at it. And then you, then the picture comes out at you. Mm-hmm. And I think that you do that well. You, you can transition. I, I like to say I like to transition between the macro lens and the micro lens as mm-hmm. I'm reading the scriptures because you have to see it in its broad context as well as its its, its def- refined context. And you you really do that with your book where a lot of devotionals really kind of hone in on one theme and they kind of cherry pick their verses that fit on that theme. You're drawing people into many different themes in your devotional. You're you're really kind of bringing the Bible as the theme of your devotional. In the first edition, I did have at the back uh, a list of themes that I sort of create or I pulled out. I didn't create them, but I called them some funny things. Some of them were called like "repent already" or <laughs> you know "give prayer a chance." Uh, so I did. I kind of the book itself with the the second edition um i took those out but they're still there um i took those little titles out so it looked a little bit cleaner but uh, i do yeah i wanted people to hear the um to have the macro and the micro and also as as they went in i wanted them to learn how to get into the place of the person in the bible not so that the Bible would be about them or, you know, if I'm reading it, it's not about me, but I do want to really understand the uh, motivations and feelings of the people in the text. And so I, I tried to get, um, make it so that people could sort of step into, I know the, the woman who dies um, and she names the child Ichabod. I think, of course, I'm probably going to misquote this, but uh, what was it like for her to give birth and die and have the glory of Israel depart uh, from Israel? That's a really strange moment. What is it? Never mind what it means. What it, what would it have been like? Both of those questions. And so throughout, a lot of things in the Bible are really off-putting. So you'll go along and read and think, that's bad that's immoral and wrong that person shouldn't have died like that or that person shouldn't have done that um and you can you know just walk away and think well i don't i don't have time for that or that's too hard uh we're actually you know if you pause and 
you you have your macro sense of what God is doing in the world through history. And then you step in in a micro sense into somebody else's shoes. You get the emotional weight of the text. And then you can see, oh, God is speaking with one voice by many voices. He's he's saying something and it's he's saying something to me right now about who he is. Um which mitigates against narcissus, mm-hmm. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> uh, or putting yourself in the text in the wrong way. When you look at a lot of of books that are devotionally structured, they have a particular theme, they have a particular idea that they want to convey, and that that approach often leads people to to see a particular idea on each page, as opposed to reading the Bible for what it actually says. People need a structure. People think that they need a structure and how to read the Bible, but what actually happens is they end up walking away with somebody else's idea and not the scripture's idea. They, the takeaway is you end up with with the author's intention as opposed to the scripture's intention. How does your devotional approach that differently? I, I, the scripture is meant both to give life to you, but also to correct you. Hmm. Uh, and so... It has to be allowed to speak as it really is. And you have to get onto its terms rather than it coming onto your terms. So if you get a devotional book that has that is very theme bound uh, and you stick with one theme after another, you aren't going to get the, the broader sense of how God exactly is uh, prepared to organize your life and change who you are. Which, are, which is what you want. If you're a Christian, you want the Holy Spirit to work in your life. You want God to shape and transform you and your mind and your heart. And the way that he does that is the scripture. It, he, that's the primary way that he does it. There are other things, of course, in life. But uh, it's mainly through the Bible that he t- takes you from being one kind of person and makes you into another kind of person. Uh, so it's a it's a very strange way. I mean, if I was God, I wouldn't have done it this way. <laughs> but uh, he he wants you to to get onto the page on his terms, and so you don't want to be limited by somebody else's um, vision of what that should look like. Mm-hmm. I think I love what Paul says to Timothy when he talks about the the word of God being the breath of God. And I was saying, say, trying to explain this to somebody to really emphasize it recently. And I said, you know, we basically are dying and we need CPR. We need the breath of God. We need this in our life. And uh, we need to hunger for it. We need to eat this book. We need to get it inside of us in some way. But it's, for many people, it's really hard to do that. It's hard to, to see its significance. And it's even harder to break into it in a way that they understand it. They know it. You, you offer a lot of instruction as well that it's not enough to read a devotional. You actually need to have other helps as well. What are those helps that we need? You need to go to church. <laughs> also very hard to do. You really need to go to church every single week uh, with a, where there's a good uh, pastor. There's a person who will preach through the text in a, in a systematic way that throughout gives you the macro and the micro sense of what it's going on. You also need other people who are reading it and who might disagree with you uh, about what, what you think it means 
or how it might apply to your life, you need to be able to have a, a conversant, maybe occasionally even argumentative relationship with people who are also reading the text and are hopefully being transformed by it as well. Um, and then I think it is really good. I named some of them in the beginning, some just some easy books on how to read the Bible. There's how to read the Bible for all it's worth is really good. And um, somebody to tell, to tell you, you know, who wrote this and why and how long ago was it and what was going on historically. Uh, you don't have to become a Bible scholar, but you do want to know it's a, it's a book on its own terms that can be understood just like any other book. And if you don't, um, you should be curious about it. You should dig around a little. You should be quick to distrust yourself and your own assumptions about what it means and what is good and what is bad. And if you do that, um, you go to church especially. If you can only do one thing, just go to church <laughs> while you're reading the Bible. Uh, that's the thing that is also very hard. As hard as reading it is, is going to church to hear about it. And going to church intentionally with the purpose of listening and reading and worshiping through the Word. I mean, it's one thing to go to church and uh, expect to be, uh, you know, kind of absent-minded there, but we really need to be engaged. Worship and engagement and listening and, and hungering for the Word as it's taught, that is a part of our worship. Reading the text that's going to be preached on before you go mm-hmm. and praying over the text and then arriving, opening the Scripture up so that you can see what's on either side of the text and you're just glancing at it, uh, will will enliven the hunger and will put pieces into place. And then the Holy Spirit will be able to convict you. The preacher doesn't know what you have going on in your life, but God does. And mm-hmm. he will use the preaching just as he uses the word to strike at you, to heal you, to um, c- correct you, to lead you, to tell you what to do with your day and your life. Now, the subtitle of your book is that it's a, a 365 readings for angry and worn out people. What's the place in the devotional for people that are angry what are, or, or worn out? What, what is your, your draw for that crowd? I, I think, well, I think many Christians today have a, a kind of a lackadaisical or even non-existent view of suffering, first mm. of all we have many, many decades of, of the idea that Christian life is really supposed to be about joy, which it is, and uh, even happiness, and that God wants us to be good, He wants us to behave properly, and He wants us to be happy and joyful. And actually, I mean, though that's not necessarily untrue, God does want us to be good, and He does want us to be joyful. But more than that, He wants uh, to uh, for us to know Him. And that is a difficult thing because he is God and we are not. And so a lot of it is going to be painful and uncomfortable. And especially in the time of COVID, I don't know if people have noticed, but COVID has been really discouraging. And uh, I've been severely worn out and even angry. I'm a, I tend towards anger anyway. So <laughs> writing for myself. You don't look like it at all. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> I keep it all bottled up inside mm-hmm. so people can't see it. Um, and when I come to the scripture, I should bring that with me. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't um, put on a face of happiness and mm-hmm. you know joy if I am in the depths, 
if I am needy and poor and worn out and angry and people, you know, I'm, I think it's unfair or I didn't get what I thought I needed. And, um, and who am I really going to take that to? Of course, I, I could take it to everyone in the world or I could bring it to the text and let God say something about it. Um, God in the scriptures often, well, first he sounds mean sometimes. He's, he employs sarcasm. He uh, he is short <laughs> with his people, and he takes on the violence and the rage and the sin of his creation and copes with it. And so when you encounter that in the world and in yourself, you need to bring it to the text and let him say something about what that is and how you should understand it and, and how maybe you could even let it go. I think in the context, we don't have a lot of, we're not given permission very often to be upset, to be frustrated, to be, to allowing ourselves to, to feel as God feels with the world, with sin and the brokenness. And uh, I was recently with a, a, a group of Christians where I was leading a prayer meeting and I said, uh, I want to hear you complain. Uh, I want to hear your frustrations. I want you to just let it out. But the only thing is you got to pray it. <laughs> so uh, you're going to pray your complaints, which is half of the Psalms. Uh, this is a large portion of Scripture, and yet we we try to approach everything within Christianity as though we have rose-colored glasses. I don't think that's necessarily helpful to the Christian development. No, and I think the other thing we do is we think that we can do more than we can. Mm-hmm. You know, we think that God wants us to do something, and that uh, we should do something, and that we have the ability to do something. So, if you're in a, if you're worn out or you're angry, um, a lot of preaching and a lot of books give you steps to get out of your anger and your exhaustion. When actually, uh, I mean, I've tried a lot of things and the best way to get out of, to get rid of something that you feel like you shouldn't have is to just to bring it to Christ as if you're a beggar and let him get away from you. Let him solve that problem for you. So you're very, you're constantly in a, as a helpless child coming to the scripture, coming to Jesus, asking him to fix all of your problems. And that means saying what they are, um, admitting them, admitting them when they're your fault or when they're somebody else's fault, not lying about um, the state of your life or your feelings. Uh, and if you do that, if you, if you, if you just come and tell the truth about yourself to, to God and then open the text, he will tell the truth from his perspective, using the words on the page. Uh, you don't need other kinds of words or other um you don't need to, and, and, you, and also you don't need to go through a lot of hoops. You don't need to do a lot of work. The work is that you show up and read the text, and God does the work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that's really hard, and you can know that with your mind and still not be able to do it every day. Mm. 
I think a lot of people approach the idea of devotionals with two kind of attitudes. They're either looking for something that can help them uh, kind of get an intro into the Word of God, kind of a very subtle way, a quick way to do devotions, or they're they're looking at it a little bit skeptical and saying, another devotional, I've done this a million times before, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm worn out. I think that you kind of touch on that as well. Uh, w- how is your... Your devotional different, and what are what's your target for both of those those audiences? Well, I think you want to, yeah. I mean, it's very easy to say, "Well, I read the Bible, so I I know what it says," and I go to church every Sunday and I see it on the screen, and the I know what it says. Uh, and that's well, that's a dangerous place to be because you don't really know. You can read it every year through of your life and still not have known it in the deep way that God knows you. So you have to keep you, maybe you you get past putting your toes in the water and you walk in all the way up to your shins. Well, you're, you're still not swimming. Um, You, you have to read it and read it and read it and read it because God is active in it. He will uh, guide, he will guide the process and um, show you more and more of himself as you read it. So you can't just, it's not a one-time deal. And then, um, and then in terms of just getting it over, you know, your daily devotional, you read it and get it over with, move on. Well, no, it should stay with you as you uh, go through the day. You know, you, if you read a couple of verses and really wrestled with them or let, asked Jesus to show you who he is, um, that should lodge itself into your spirit as you carry through the day and affect and change the way that you live. So um, it's not that you're following a law. You're ac- you're asking God to write the law on you and, and, com- and uh, incline you, propel you to do it um, himself. So you're giving up control, I think, when you read the text, which is, I think is one reason why it's easier to read a devotional that's real short and not um, really go go into the text, even in a even in a short way, even just for a few minutes. Like become emotionally vulnerable before the text is very hard because you're giving. It's it is like eating. You're eating the word of God, uh, and once you've eaten it, you don't have control over what happens to it. God will use it how He's going to use it, and that's a little bit dangerous. I think I think people are right to be afraid of that and keep stand afar off from it. I think a lot of people have responded to this book. As I was uh, talking to people and saying I was going to be uh, interviewing you, they were saying, oh, I love the book. Uh, It meant a lot to me. It's started to really resonate with people because I think it does approach devotionals differently. And it's honest. it, It addresses a lot of the kind of you can see kind of behind the scenes of how things are actually being put together. And uh, we're, we've become disillusioned, I think, in a lot of ways by other devotionals that kind of are all, you know, very colorful and pretty and flowery and, and have great uh, kind of uh, encouraging words and self-affirmations. But this one really it takes, it takes us into the text and it deals with the matters that we're actually feeling I think that's really important. It, it, you, you nailed it in, oh, in that thank sense. You. That's very kind. Thank you. I I think the other thing that's hard is to uh, deal with the, the really ugly 
parts of the the Bible. I, I think that was one thing mm. I really wanted to do. I want people to read the texts that are really painful. The Levite's concubine, um, the abuse of Tamar in, um, by Amnon, um, the question of slavery. I, we should, you should go and really look at it because it's, it's very hard. But then when you go online, you're going to see things that are also very, very hard uh, and terrible. If you, if you interact with the world at all, you're going to encounter really dark and terrible things. And um, so it, it, it's hard. That's what I keep saying. That's the theme of the book. It's hard to do it, but, but it's worth it because Mm -hmm. God has an amazing answer for, the the brutality and the um, darkness of our lives, and it's an it's a it's a life giving and a wonderful answer. And he is in it for the long haul, so it's okay for us to kind of struggle along and try to endure with him as he tells us who he is. Mm-hmm. I think as well, we've had so many devotionals that have tried to dress up the Bible and present it in all of its shininess, and and, and kind of that has left us in a very uh, vampid state where we don't understand the Bible, and then when it's addressed, maybe on a Sunday worship service, uh, people are really resistant to it because that's not the Jesus they've imagined. I, I talk to people all the time that will tell me, I like the three-year Jesus, you know, the 33-year Jesus. I'm not so sure about the Old Testament. I have a hard time reading the mm-hmm. Old Testament. Um, if we're kind of dancing around that, if we're trying to dress up the Bible, we're missing a major part of who God is and how mm-hmm. we must relate to him because he's holy, he's righteous, and he's angry, and we are we are angry, but we're not holy and righteous. So we need that get that counter, don't we? We do. I like I like that we do. I think I've had this inclination myself. I've wanted to apologize for the text or apologize for mm-hmm. God being such a difficult person to get along with. And I want people to come and love him. And he seems to make it so hard on purpose. You know, he didn't he didn't doesn't need to do it. Um people think that Jesus is so lovely and you know, wonderful, but that's because, I mean, Jesus, when you watch a movie about him, he is, he's got this far away look in his eyes and he's usually very good looking. And, um, you know, it's just the force of his personality that draws people to him. Well, he actually repelled most of the people of his day. Mm -hmm. If you think the God of the old Testament was difficult, Jesus is more difficult. He, he talks about hell more than anyone else, uh, in the scripture. And he talks about it like it's real. And then he, you know, he, he sends people away from him. He's not a, you know, if you've thought that Jesus was easy, you haven't really carefully read the Gospels. Uh, and so, yeah, as Christians, as a Christian, I want people to love God. So I'm, I'm inclined to just fluff over that or quickly go to St. Paul, who has lots of nice instructions about how we should be kind to each other. But again, if you really read St. Paul, He's a difficult person to get along with also. And he says very hard things about the human spirit Mm -hmm. and human behavior. And so uh, we, it is, we should, we should go away um, from the, the flowers on the front of the Bible, even let alone the devotional um, and, and just let it, let it speak for itself because it's strong enough to do that. We don't have to apologize for it. 
Now, your book here nailed it, uh, 365 Readings for Angry and Worn Out People. is a great study for an individual, but uh, this is also something, you, you mentioned at least one point before, that we need other people in our life that can kind of uh, rub up against us and maybe even irritate us a little bit and challenge us to go deeper into the text, to wrestle with the text, and not just take it at our own face value. Uh, this book can be done in a group study as well, can it? I, I guess it could. I don't know um, if anyone's tried to do it. Uh, I think it would be fun to read. Um, I was really happy because um, my editor, he did the reading plan kind of at the bottom of each page. You can read more of the text. Mm-hmm. And I do think it would be fun in a group to read those chapters and then uh, try to deal with you know, dissonance that you see, talk about it. Where, why does it seem like it's contradicting itself? Or is this the same thing as I read, you know, 50 chapters over the other way and um, ask a lot of open-ended questions of the text uh, without quickly rushing to an answer, um, wondering about how people feel in the text and um, if God could have done it differently and then landing, but at the, always being willing to say at the end, first that God was good. So whatever he did in the text was good. And if you felt like it was bad, you've got to readjust your sense of what good and what good uh, is according to him. And two, that, um, that he is, uh, he's capable of communicating himself to you. So, if you didn't get it, it's not his fault. And then, you know, talking talking that through with people, I think, is a, a fun and enlivening uh, way to go. Well, this is something we need to be challenged to do. We need to get into the Word of God, and we need ways that would make it accessible, but also pull us in to deal with some really tough issues, not simply keeping everything on the surface. And I think that you've done that well with this devotional, with your book, Nailed It. Uh, Would you close us out by praying for our listeners and encouraging them uh, that uh, we can approach God God with our questions, our concerns, our frustrations, even our anger? He's got broad enough shoulders that he can handle them. And as we bring them to him, he hears us. In many ways, he can resonate with us because he's he's sympathized with us in our weakness. I would love to. Uh, I'd love to pray. Let's pray. Thank you. Uh, Lord Jesus Christ, uh, you stretched out your arms of love on the hardwood of the cross, uh, that we all would come within the embrace of your saving love. I pray that you will bless the listeners of this program, that you will draw them back to the scripture and speak to them in words that they can hear and understand. I pray that you would uh, strengthen them when they fall and uh, or lift them up when they fall and strengthen them while they are trying to stand against their own inclinations and the difficulties of the world. I pray that you would make your love alive in the hearts of each one today and uh, that you would give us the true joy of knowing you and seeing you on the pages of the Bible. I pray this in your own name. Amen. Amen. 
We've been talking with Ann Kennedy, the author of Nailed It, 365 Readings for Angry and Worn Out People. It's a, a daily devotional, but one that will challenge you in such a way that you will go away with greater understanding, a greater desire for the Word of God, if nothing more than to make sure that what she's saying in this is, is correct with the Scriptures. Uh, it'll be a great challenge for you. Um, and thank you so much for being a part of the many voices for that one message and sharing your story with us, your struggle with us, but also encouraging us to, to approach God each day with a, a, an understanding that His mercies are new every morning. Thank you for having me. This is really fun. Thank you.